Professor Jared Miller teaches public speaking, group dynamics, and argumentation and debate at Santiago Canyon College in Southern California. Graduating from Cal State Long Beach in 2006, Professor Miller has been teaching for 17 years this semester. Some topics discussed include chat, GPT, and AI, the current state of the young mind, teaching students how to think versus what to think, speech structure, nuance in argumentation and problem solving, and what motivational factors push us forward. And with that, I bring you Professor Jared Miller. Which, um, which courses are you teaching now at SCC? You said there's how many? So the courses I'm usually teaching now uh, are public speaking, argumentation, debate, and group dynamics. I only do group dynamics once a year. Once a year. Yeah. So it's and out like, of those three, which one would you say is your favorite? And I'm sure it's hard to choose. Uh, yeah. I, I, I love the group dynamics because we have a... Uh, I, I think that that is the, some of the more marketable things that people can have. You know what I mean? Like the, the public speaking is like everyone needs this, you know? So those are the basics. But the thing to set yourself apart from others, kind of you can find it in group dynamics. It really does make you – you can be a leader. I don't think everyone needs to be a leader. You could be a really good follower. You know what I mean? It's like I think that's also really valuable. And so the things like – problem solving, decision making, leadership, those type of lessons, they come out in the group dynamics course. And it's and so I, I like that because I like the idea of people taking that on, you know, out and, and passing it on into Interesting. the world. Interesting. Yeah. And it um public speaking is something that's done solo. It's like an individual sport. But yeah, the group uh, dynamics is is realistic with plugging into the business realm or wherever you may go because by nature, like you're you're gonna be around other folks and there's probably an optimal way to get things done and to communicate. Yeah, not only that, but when you are hired onto a job, oftentimes you're hired onto a team of sorts, right? That there will be a group of people that you are working with that do different things, and you have to have meetings. And so one of the most basic lessons is how to run a meeting, right? Like having an agenda and like, how do you have a, a vote? Uh, you don't always need to have things only by majority rule. There's other ways that you could come and make decisions like that, but always have an agenda, always take notes, make sure everyone is able to see those notes. You know? And so th th those are some really basic lessons that you're like, I don't need a class to, to learn that. It's like, yeah, but so few people do it, so we need or, to teach it. You yeah, know? <laughs> even if you don't need it, is it is it an optimal way to move yeah, forward yeah. and to not have it? Yeah, I mean that that just seems like you would want to at least participate in something like that yeah. in undergrad before you move on. How long have you been teaching that course? Oh, it's been like fifteen years now. Cool. So, have you seen a difference in student psyche with? like the past 14 years entering into that course, like the, the evolution of social media, how people are plugging into the groups, um, all of the, some the of, triggerish some of culture. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, have like, you been able to pinpoint anything for better or for worse? Like yeah. Patterns I, mean, I don't over think time? anyone gets really triggered about anything. Like the event that we plan is for 
children's cancer research awareness, you know, and so like we're raising funds that are going to uh, St. Baldrick's. So anybody who likes that St. Baldrick's.org has a really great online setup. So um, that, which is one of the many reasons why I chose that to be the event that we do. Right. And so it, like you, you can form into groups and raise funds and it goes to a cause that, Nobody gets triggered about, you know what I mean? And so it's like really apolitical. As far as students changing over time, I think the pandemic is really the only thing that really changed people. What I notice with the weird part about being a teacher is how, about how constant the, the lack of understanding is. Like you have to, I'm literally saying the same thing that I've said for 15 years. Um, by and large, like not everything. I make changes every single semester, but there are some lessons that, well, yeah, that's basic. I don't need to change that. You know, that's like how to write an agenda. That really hasn't changed. Like mm. parliamentary procedure that's been around for, you know, hundreds of years. So I'm not changing the, yeah. I, the rules haven't changed. And so Correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like you do want some of those constants in teaching lessons over time because then it gives you like a solid data set and you're not, yeah, things up on their head and in analyzing how students are operating in your classroom to go back to my question. Yeah. Having a constant with lessons. Yeah. Th- that does not give you the ability to actually. So if you're talking about global warming, let's say mm-hmm. over the course of 10 years and you're keeping that the constant through all the years, have you noticed? So that that's just an yeah, example yeah. off the top of my head. Have you noticed anything different about. See, like the mind of the the young person. So the example that you're giving would be like an example of a topic that I would apply our lessons to. Our lessons are the things that don't really change. You know what I mean? So this is what an agenda is. But now if you're going to say, all right, so now how do we use that agenda to have a discussion about global warming? That's applying the lesson to something. You know what I mean? Um, that definitely changes with the times, right? And so the, the, the answers that people are giving change because the data set grows on climate change, right? And, and yeah, the, the arguments that people make, like for instance, specifically to climate change, I hear less and less and less that climate change isn't real. But I hear just as much or more that there's nothing we could do about it. Or like what are the differing outcomes? Like what does it actually mean is going to happen? Yeah. With, with the inputs that are coming in. How fast they're going to come. Yeah. I mean, like people are, you know, they they have different levels of urgency, but there's always been different levels of urgency. What I, the only thing that I can actually sort of go through my mind and think about is like, well, less and less people are persuaded by the idea that climate change isn't happening, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like more people just believe it. It's just like, how do we respond to it is still a debate. You know, so, and, and it always has been. That makes sense. And, and the reason why I'm posing it and like analyzing the, the psyche of the young mind is just being 10-ish years removed now from yeah. the classroom setting. Um, I, I'm very curious yourself as a teacher who's there year after year after year analyzing the, the next group of people, helping the next group of people that are going to go out into the world and actually make an impact, weighing that against all of the the media insights that insights quote unquote that are spewed out there about oh there's something wrong with the next generation there's some or people are losing their communication skills but uh caveat like I, I feel like the adults have always said that about the previous generations but directly 
you're you're making it sound hopeful like hey everyone everyone's still showing up and just doing their best to analyze the problems that are given to them there's not some crazy woke culture at least in your classrooms that's affecting the college students have always been liberal always like you can't find a time in history when they weren't right Mm -hmm. like they've always said that like you should google a quote that plato had about the youth Right, you should look it up and and Plato. Grant can pull you, it up right now. Yeah, if you if you took the context of Plato away and just look at it, he says the youth today are like disrespectful. They have low attention spans. They have this like, and this is three thousand years ago. People have been saying that forever. When I see data like that, when I see repetition going on, and, and like I start thinking, is like, okay, something has to change. Like, and so. I'm going to look at it differently. And if I start looking at the next generation differently than Plato did, yeah, so they disrespect their elders, they disobey their parents, they ignore the law, they riot in the streets inflamed with wild notions. That could have been taken from a a senator yesterday, right? That quote. Someone with so much wisdom was still, had that same little way of looking at the, the younger generation. So when I look at that and people say, it's like, oh, we're experiencing something different. I'm like, we're not experiencing anything different. It's like the context is different because we have technology that people didn't have before. And we have different sort of, you know, uh, people and they're doing different events that are and like, those things are unique. Mm-hmm. Right. But that doesn't, that doesn't mean that it, this is a new phenomenon that yeah. we're experiencing. A complex application though, I guess people put it in the light of, there's certain new patterns and characteristics that are going to lead to something like the downfall of America or uh, example, it pops in my head um, in Canada getting put behind bars for not using the correct pronouns. Let's say like people flag that as this isn't just new age updating by the youth. Mm -hmm. There's, there's something more inherently wrong than Plato talking about those damn kids or those damn skateboarders mm-hmm. back in the 90s, you know? and So who be- got be- put in jail for using the wrong pronouns? That's a... Uh, I don't know the individual, but I've heard that's by law that in certain providences in Canada. And Professor Miller got me there. I couldn't remember this case, but I knew I was referencing something I had heard or read here. The case I'm referring to is Robert Hoogland, who was arrested in Canada. The Attorney General of British Columbia issued a warrant for his arrest in the charge of contempt. So the court was ordering this father to basically stop using certain pronouns for his child. And because the case was ongoing and the the father was going out and performing public interviews... He basically breached the court's contract, so he was arrested for contempt, but it was in reference to him misgendering his biological daughter and speaking about it publicly. But I'm going to drop the link here if you want to see it in the description and learn a little bit more for yourselves, and back to the show. That, if you don't use the correct... Yeah. And, And that's just a... There is no criminalization of the misuse of pronouns. So maybe I stand corrected. Let's see here. 
So people Maybe like Jordan is... Peterson were, were talking about how he didn't want his university enforcing those rules upon him and that the university mm. had uh, had certain repercussions uh, for that. So private sector. Yeah, versus... it was. Well, I don't think it was in private sector. I, I don't know if it was a private university or a public one, to be honest with you. Um, but the yeah. So uh, sometimes when people are going, oh, yeah, this is so different. And then they tell a story like that. That story came from not an actual event, but a conversation that you had with somebody else and it rang true for mm -hmm. you. So there's this guy named Walter Fisher that has something he calls the narrative paradigm. So I think it might be a hundred years, less than a hundred years ago, but Walter Fisher uh, talked about how reasoning doesn't always take this particular shape. It is oftentimes found in the stories that we tell each other. And the stories don't need to be true. They just kind of need to ring true. So if they, if they touch upon something that, you know, you think like, that sounds like I, that sounds horrible. And you're like, it must be true and it's horrible. And, and now, now the event has become true in your mind because of the storytelling. You know? There was just an example of that yeah. right now. Yeah. That was ringing true in my head. I literally thought that was law. Right. And so what do we see? Okay. So it's, it's bill C 16 added gender identity and gender expression as areas that can be grounds for discrimination under Canada's human rights act. Okay. So, so they're applying it in terms of like a company no longer in the United States. Could be like, I'm not going to hire you because you're yeah. black or because you're female. They're just adding right. that, that new criteria. Right. And I, I doubt anyone will be thrown in jail for that. They mm -hmm. probably can get sued and lose money for it. That's, it. That would be the fine. And so, um, and it, telling stories, like we take shortcuts sometimes. When something is criminal, the punishment is jail. It's like, well, not always. You know, like punishment is sometimes just money. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, it, you know, uh, you have to... Uh, do any other sort of things that you, you know, are ordered to do, but not jail. And someone could pose too. That's one of the pitfalls, let's say, of an open form conversation on a podcast. Is right. For all the amazing outcomes that come from it, that flow state of just kind of throwing things out there sometimes, it's, you can't like fully fact check perfectly in the moment. You could admit when you're wrong. Right. But in hindsight, you might be like, and, that, and that's common, right? That That happens all the time. Yeah, yeah. So... In terms of that, how in your classroom setting, how do you focus on teaching students how to think versus what to think? Well, I, I mean, this is because <laughs> like you do structure argumentation and debate, right? That's yeah. So, so you're asking me now at a moment where I'm going to make some drastic changes to the tools I use in my class. And it actually illustrates the difference between what to think and how to think. I think that a lot of times that assignments in college classes have work that is necessary, but aren't, ne aren't fostering the, the critical thought that the purpose of, of the whole assignment. Right. And so what I mean by that is like, Writing is necessary in order to express your ideas, but it's the expression of the ideas that we really care about, not the writing, not the, the hours that you take at, you know, typing it out. And so the writing could get in the way of critical thinking. Mm. Somebody who might not have the vocabulary, but they still have 
the, the sort of creative insights and ideas. They just can't put it into language. This tool now can give, be an opportunity for people like that. And I, I and include tool, myself in that. Yeah. And what's the tool you're speaking of? Chat GPT just came out, you know, <laughs> yeah. like the, um, uh, it's been blowing my mind. Now I've been using other, uh, artificial intelligence tools. Um, so Udily is a really great one. You're going to like this. It's, um, a public speaking tool where you actually can record yourself. It gets a transcript and it analyzes your transcript. Mm -hmm. It counts your verbal fillers. It, um, says, okay, this, this could be more concise. You use too many words right here, or you could use less words if you want to. That's, uh, I think that's a fairer way of saying How it. do you spell that tool? Udly, uh, it is a Y-O-O-D-L-I. Cool. Udly. So um, I just put that into my class in just this last fall. Like we're coming up on the spring right now. All right. And so in fall 2022, um, I, I integrated it into my coursework and uh, it gives students automatic feedback whereas before they would have to wait for me to you know i used video for a while now like as soon as uh, i i figured out how to use youtube like 15 12 years ago um uh, yeah when i was in your yeah. class in 2014 we yeah. were already using youtube and uploading videos as yeah it was it, it was that was right about when i started actually because mm -hmm. i remember 2012 what like i i started doing like video recordings like files and that was a mess. <laughs> like, like, like actually sending files back and forth, yeah. like before the days of Google drive, by the way. All right. You know I mean? So large files, like I'd, they'd have to like burn them onto DVDs and bring them <laughs> in and stuff like yeah. that and, and, and share them that way. Um, but once I'm like, Oh no, you, YouTube definitely is, is the way to go. Um, those, uh, so, so using that video now you could, you can, rather than recording into YouTube, you could record it into Udly and it, it just, it just gets all the stuff and it reflects it back to you right away. So counts all your verbal fillers, which is uh, great. But then there's like weak words, kinda, sorta, maybe, and it points those out. Flags them. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and, and it'll even have a little button. It's like, do you want to play it back without those words to see what it sounds like? What a trip. That's yeah. So that's an amazing tool. Right. That's an amazing tool to go back to chat GPT. Right. Um, I think a lot of people are going to find that super interesting and probably not predict that Wait, this professor is actually seeing it in a positive light as a helpful tool. A lot of people, I think most people out there are thinking, wait, this is just giving students the ability to cheat and to not have the critical thought to just write a paper automatically. And your argument was, like, no, what what really matters is just what's coming after the equal sign, that whole formula and busy yeah. work, quote unquote, that's coming before then. You're really just after the, what's after the equal sign? What, what are we trying to get after here? Mm -hmm. And I, like, it, it, it really just takes slight modification, not a whole hell of a lot of work in order to document that in order to validate that students are actually doing that work they're not just pressing a button and turning something in i'll give you an example i'm prob the way i'm thinking about doing it is during class generating topic ideas per student i'm like what do you want to debate and they tell me what you want to debate and then i'm like we we pull up chat gbt right there in front of class I'm like give me 500 words about this copy paste into a google document 
And then I share that with, so I own the document, but I share the link with the student. I'm like, all right, now make it yours. Mm. You have a starting point. You don't have to do all the busy work of generating the ideas. It's like, like these arguments are pretty good. Now go first fact check it. Chat GPT sometimes hallucinates. <laughs> it makes up stuff. You know what I mean? I have a really cool example where I wanted, uh, so I've been doing some shorts about uh, figures of speech and fallacies and so, like really, you know, compact lessons, right? And I wanted to find a, uh, a fallacy on something called, kettle logic i won't get into the weeds on that one but uh, there's 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 one fallacy that's known as kettle logic i'm like find me a pop culture example of that and after a couple of a little bit of back and forth with chat gpt it says okay here's an episode of west wing that has an example of kettle logic i'm like that's perfect um what scene is that what what act in the script is it and then chat gpt said oh i'm sorry there was a mistake this quote didn't come from that episode. Mm. I'm like, so where did you get the quote? It's like, I'm sorry, I made it up. Interesting. Yeah. So it'll admit that. It'll it will. Literally it, say but it. you have to do the follow-up, see? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you have to like... you have Almost to like the, converse, the point earlier about spewing something in conversation that right. wasn't necessarily fully fact-checked. Like that computer's almost... Right. Has that human element. And so if, if, like, let's say this was an assignment. I'm like, all right, we're going to do a, 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 an assignment on fallacies. What do you want to do? I want to do kettle logic. I'm like, okay, here you go. Here, hey, check out that West Wing example. If that student turns in the West Wing example, and I'm on that end, and I'm going, oh, I want to find this, and I'm, I'm going to check them as a professor, and it turns out not to be true, I'm like, you didn't do the work. Like, all you did was turn in the stuff that mm -hmm. I gave you. So you're still able to see the difference right, between because right. you own that you own that file, so yeah. you could still see mm -hmm. what's being turned well, in. Yeah, and you could just turn it on so that they have to it has to track changes, mm -hmm. right? And so okay. they they do they just suggest changes to it, and then you go through and approve the changes, nice. and and each one of those changes now is it's the follow up question. I think a lot of people are just deathly afraid of a blank page. You know, it's the hardest thing, like just like getting started. Yeah. And once you push them and get them started, it's like now it's like you have to care about the truth. You have to care. It's like, okay, I, I want to watch this episode and validate that you're telling me the truth. And that's what I want to teach people is like when you're like, oh, yeah, somebody went to jail. I'm like, who? You know, it's like it's, it's reflex now. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like you hear something. It's like we, we can test that one. There's a lot of things that we're going to say in this conversation. We can't test some opinions and things like that but events are things we can test we could see like did anyone report on this does anyone else have a, a a differing report on what happened if so why but if everyone is saying the same thing we could pretty much guess that that's what happened mm -hmm. you know no yeah that's a good structure that makes sense yeah um to push back a little bit on the inputs those front-end inputs that you said are idea generation mm -hmm. um do you not think that not focusing on those first initial inputs, which come through like more broad based analysis of like just having chat GPT produce those initial ideas, the idea generation, is it not important for a organic mind to realize what's kind of relevant? What inputs should I apply here? What should I not apply? I mean, maybe for an example of, so, like, if you're talking about global warming, um, the computer might automatically give you inputs 
that are based in like science and not just cross-referencing like opposing views on online on the giant database but like if you are going to debate in that subject you might you should know that hey maybe some input should be um where am i looking for global data over time of like temperature differences what's the actual output and impact of fossil fuels and how many people are on earth now that are need to get that need to get fed like uh in in terms of like impoverished communities being more negatively affected by let's say uh greener policies that make it harder for them to access resources that kind of get you off the ground in that industrial era so like even though it it's probably efficient and it's most efficient to have the AI to have the the calculator per se do the math for you and then you're focusing on the higher end end items I guess I'm trying to just think through of those initial inputs how important are they for the organic mind to run those scenarios so I'm finding that uh, debate training has been just absolutely critical in this and one thing that I have seen that I understand that a lot of other people don't about debate is that you don't win debates in the first speech. You have to know how many speeches you have in total and then plan your strategy accordingly Mm. because you need to win it in rebuttals, the last speech, not the first speech. So when you're talking about those initial um, prompts, those those ones could be sort of generic. You just kind of like, you're trying to like cover ground. You're trying to give a good foundation because you don't know what your opponent is going to focus on. And so you're trying to give broad base support and, and not have any gaps, right? It's not that there is a perfect, there, there's no such thing as a perfect speech where somebody says, you know what? You've convinced me. I, I can't, I have no response. This is actually one of my favorite clips from uh, old school with Will Ferrell mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, and Vince Vaughn, I think yeah, is his so name. Funny. Yeah, yeah. And there's a, a debate scene in there where Will Ferrell basically like blacks out and becomes some super debater that says something <laughs> so intelligent that yeah. that even James Carville, a really famous political commentator, can't respond to, right? And like that's funny. And like it's great, you know, like for, for the movies, but that, that doesn't happen. It's it's like there it it doesn't exist. Um, once you get to a certain level of debate what you're doing in the first speech isn't trying to like have the slam dunk that nobody can respond to. So same thing on chat GPT, you, you don't give some sort of like really, really detailed one at the beginning. Um, and, and, uh, you, you use the follow-up questions in order to get there. Um, like I was even, I, I watched like one of your more, more recent episodes and I used it as like my own exercise and it was, um, the follow-up questions that really, I, I love it. You know what I mean? It's so cross-examination is the same thing. Asking questions with somebody. It's not the first question that gets mm-hmm. people. It's the follow-up question that gets them. Right. And so you ask something that seems so easy, so benign, but 
when they answer it, now you got them. You got like, you, you, that's where you get your material from. It's like, wait a minute. I thought you said this. Like, and so you caught them a contradiction or you're like, so what about the alternative? And it's like, oh, they were unaware that they had other options. You know, it's like, and then ChatGPT is turning out to be the same way because when you do a new prompt, it uses the context from the previous answer to filter into it, mm -hmm. you know? So interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that analysis, um, it, it seemed to be through the filter of argumentation and debate, maybe correct me if I'm wrong, like winning the debate or the, the conversation or whatever. So like you said, that the end is really what matters in terms of, of winning and presenting. It's like, like kind of like a rebuttals. golf, like a golf swing. Like if you don't have a good follow through, it doesn't matter what you do beforehand. You yeah. know what I mean? So, so it's like everything matters, right? But it's a lot of people think it's like, well, all that matters is this first thing. Is like as long as I have this first speech, then I don't need to worry about anything afterwards because there's no way that they can respond to it. Mm -hmm. That doesn't exist. Get that out of your mind. Got it. Yeah. So I'm trying to hone in on the, those initial inputs, though. If yeah. there is any we could talk openly about are there any potential negative effects of not having your your software having your brain your software system okay. run those scenarios and kind of before get before getting to even the bullet points that are on your blank page that are going to lead you to a more structured uh, flow i think that it's, so in the, in the class mm -hmm. as it is now yeah if somebody can't do that they don't it's not that it's like, oh, you just have to push them hard enough and eventually they will. In my experience, that, that's not how people learn. In fact, the more and more I find out about human behavior is if you just get people to try it, then they're more likely to do it, which seems counterintuitive because they have to do it in order to try it. But you're like, listen, like, don't think, just try this out. So like in, in public speaking... It's like, I, I have no good ideas. I can't generate an idea. It's like, well, you're going to get an F if you don't, right? <laughs> it's not a motivator. It's a demotivator, okay? It's like, and so they're just as likely to go out and find an article and read it, which has happened in my class. I'd rather them have ch chat GPT. Like, it, it's the same thing. They're getting words that aren't theirs and reading it to people. So it's no worse, right? Mm. So in debate, that's not, that's not a disadvantage, not unique. But... When I say it's like, you can start there and then take it. Now there's at least a chance that they will think about it. And so getting up and talking about it, it's like, I didn't know there was so much to say about this is now a revelation that maybe they can take on to other topics. I, I just thought of, it's almost like even a young mind, someone who doesn't have a whole lot of experience with yeah. these, these brain, it's not brain hard. games, but just these pathways that you go through and are trained on in college. Like I just had this this kind of a picture in my mind of each student now kind of has like a, a perfect little briefing secretary at <laughs> yeah. their, you know, it's like, tutor. Just, you're, like, you can yeah, treat like, it like a tutor, you're entering into something and you, you bo -bo -bo type into the system and you get not this perfect, but this pretty damn good brief yeah. based off of the entire database. Yeah. So I don't think that's inherently wrong. I like, I'm kind of playing devil's advocate a little mm -hmm. bit just with the, the initial input ideas. But then to compare it to a similar example of using a calculator, yeah. you know, for 
for well, some. I mean, people said this about Google too, because you could you can put in a prompt into Google and mm-hmm. something will pop up, right? But in this, ChatGPT now is sort of an amalgamation of everything that pops up, rather than one thing yeah. that pops up, because that one thing might just be a result of advertising dollars, right? Or so, someone who's really smart at SEO. And now it's like, you no, know, it's like we're going to take all this stuff mm-hmm. and kind of put it together in, into something. And so that's I mean, what, Elon Musk has a big play in this, right? Didn't he, isn't he like part I, owner I, or that's something? That's the first I've heard of it. Uh, I didn't know. I thought it, it was a billion dollar investment from Microsoft into um, OpenAI. I know that, that was recent. So maybe I'm wrong. I thought he ha- was like part of some of the founders it, I, or whatever. I, it wouldn't surprise me. The reason I bring it up too is. Um, oh, well, I mean, he has some political worries of it. Yeah. Okay. Um, the reason I bring it up is uh, to plug into the Neuralink idea of oh. if you have a hardware that's now interfacing with the software that is your right. neuroactivity, it seems like this data set that's growing, this software tool, GPT, you could almost insert into a Neuralink hardware it doesn't have to be near like whatever it is. And it's, is that almost going to be able to give you like a whisper, let's say internally. <laughs> that sounds them? awesome. So <laughs> <'cause> <laughs> he, Please now. Cause he, he, <laughs> he talks about it just in terms of the, the inefficiencies of inputs coming from your yeah. thumbs. He, he's just trying to solve that problem through. One of my favorite input. sort of like science fiction, but like within the realm of possibility things like a, a, a tooth implant. Where like you have this little speaker that only you can hear, and your skull is like a resonator. You know what I mean? And, like you, and so you're you're literally hearing voices in your head. Um, because if we're focusing on what comes after the equal sign, then it humans interact to optimize communication and learning and the systems that we all operate in. If if that new, instead of interacting with a person to get the proper frame of thought or you just have a little voice, like the tooth you were just talking about, that it's almost just like your little buddy inside that yeah, I mean, is I, conversing with you. That's I mean, crazy. I, for the last few weeks, I feel like I've just been having a conversation with ChatGPT. You know, <laughs> just like been getting to know it and it's getting to know me. Um, and uh, it, 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 you know, it, it can um, definitely replace a lot of conversation interaction. Now, I mean, mind you, I'm focusing all that conversation on sort of like my academic stuff, right? I, I'm not like, how do you feel? Or, you know, I'm not, I'm not asking for medical advice or, or things like that. Um, so th- those are the type of things that I'm like, oh, that would be concerning if people, you know, decrease human relationships. But I think there's like a really good possibility a good chance that this can really help human relationships too mm. you know um because i don't know i i'm seeing a lot of people you know the the having differences of opinion and i see all this data about how people are becoming more and more divided i'm thinking you know a lot of it has to do with how the information that we get is getting siloed into what your political beliefs happen to be when you signed up, you know, and and then, and then it makes it harder for you to listen to opposing viewpoints because it's like, this is what you want. Well, I'll give you more. Right. And so 
for instance, like television used to be an indicator, people, the amount of television you watched used to be an indicator of how moderate you were. Because that was the great unifier. There was three channels or seven channels or things like that, right? And so they had to, they had to cater to the middle. And now you don't have to cater to the middle. You just have to get enough people to make it profitable, right? And that has no, you don't have to have a majority. You don't have to have, like, it's nice to have large audiences, but all you have to have is a certain amount. And so um, that's why things like Flat Earth, people are making money off of that. You know what I mean? It's like, all you need is a, enough people that follow you or click or things like that. You don't need to be right. You, you know? end up in that bucket, in right. that camp, per se, people like to say. Um so as long as chat GPT remains unbiased in nature and is just analyzing the facts, let's say that you are presenting like that's a solution in the sense that you're not getting siloed. You're kind of asking this humanoid software an honest question or a mm -hmm. um, it, it's very topical because now you, you go directly to what you're trying to get to. And we hope as long as the software doesn't sway one way. No, it's somebody would gonna... have to manipulate it in mm -hmm. order to only produce things that they want in the first place. They would have to write it into the code, right? If you just say, listen, I want you to take all of this data and give me a response, that means that you're going to be getting, it's, it's just like the, the, the text, um, uh, uh, like when you're entering into Google and it's telling you, is this what you're looking for? It's trying to like predictive text. ChatGPT is predictive text on steroids. It's, it just like predicts what the, like they put sentences together one at a time in the most like, and by looking at what's called a large language model, they take just a giant piece of data, not a piece, I mean, just a giant swath of data, right? Which are language inputs. And then it kind of analyzes patterns on what, and so the patterns that, that are coming up, it, it puts out into a single response. Cool. Okay. So it's, it's analyzing language patterns across different search en engines it's not focusing so i mean like I exactly what the data inputs are it's a little above my pay okay grade, but because yeah. i think the nature of their platform though isn't it open ai because all of their code is public i don't can you look that up grant it, i think open ai because anyone's allowed to use it for free okay but their um their back end isn't fully exposed because the reason I, I bring it up is when talking about google and what data set you're looking into um i don't know the the full truth value of this but People say like Google, even though they're a search engine, they populate a certain leaning data set, let's say. You could call it more liberal or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then you'll get advice like, hey, go look it up on on uh, GoDaddy or not GoDaddy. What's the um, DuckDuckGo? Sorry. Mm -hmm. To go get a more unbiased um, article, let's say. So in instead of you could type in a, some, a search on Google and you'll get all these articles, you go to DuckDuckGo, and it'll give you something that wasn't populated mm -hmm. on Google. So the question is, I think it would be important for ChatGPT to focus just on language and not pulling data from, let's say, a Google, which you go all the way up the line, at the end of the day, it still is a private company that has humans kind of populating right. which articles are there. And the, so the results on Google, like, you know, are going to be the results based off of ad dollars and SEO. Mm -hmm. All right. And so my, the, my understanding of chat GPT, as much as I've been able to get over these past few weeks is 
they're, they're not looking at those factors. There's not like you can put in keywords and hashtags and stuff like that in order to boost your, you know, the results. It's, it's like if, if you have an article, it shows up one time. All right. You don't make it seem like it shows up a bunch of times. Okay. And, and so, um, that's what's happening on Google, right? So it's and and the thing like Google used to be different, and they want to manage their brand identity, right? And so they don't want things like I don't know extremist views popping up to their their number one you know uh, results or anything mm-hmm. like that. And it's like because now that's going to be associated with Google, and so. I think people are allowed to manage their identity. You know, it's like what all those other social media platforms are doing the same thing. They're trying to manage exactly. their brand, right? And if you're like, well, you like that's that that's bad. You're like, well, I, I don't want to be. I don't want this brand that is my livelihood associated with that stuff. And so that's a decision we're allowed to make. It is. You can make that decision, and then you have uh, Pfizer dumping all the ad dollars into into their uh, business platforms and stuff. Right. And that, so, of course, that business, they're, they're incentivized to not crap on Pfizer, you know? Mm-hmm. They're, they're the ones paying their bills. Yeah. So to tie it back into the chat GPT, I think it would just be important for the software to focus on the language. Yeah, I mean... And that's where the output should be coming from. So the, um, the input are these large language models. And I... I need to look into exactly what that means. Uh, and so there's a lot of them. There's this other um, app called uh, Hugging Face. And uh, it, it's a little beyond me so far. Um, and people are like, oh, no, it's easy. I'm like, well, not as easy as ChatGPT because I hop on and I'm just typing stuff in, right? It's like there's a bit more setup and, and curating that you can do. But there's a lot of different language models. And so it, um, GPT is on version three and apparently version four is coming out mm. January 30th. They just had a patch that um, sort of uh, reinforced factuality on the results, right? Cause that was a problem. They were able to look at it and kind of, Oh, it's putting out fake stuff. Like for instance, I need to prep out a course on new media for communication and um, it's great. I'm like, hey, I have a 16 week course. I need um, a, a lecture series for this. Just give me the, you know, give me a 16 week lecture series for for new media, and it just pops it out, right? And I'm like, all right, let's go week by week. So first week, I need some reading articles for to assign students. Can you give me a list of articles? And it pops it out, or just reading materials. And one of them is a book that I was familiar with already, um, called New Media: A Critical Introduction. And I'm like, oh, that would be a great textbook, but it's like last published in 2008. I can't have something, I can't have a new media textbook that's like 15 years old. You know what I mean? The, 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 so like, you're fact checking. Right, right. So yeah. I'm like, are there, do you have, uh, are there any newer versions of this? It's like, oh yeah, 2022. That was a lie. Absolute lie. There is no, it has not been published. I looked it up and it's like, and so it just kind of, that's the type of stuff that you need to check. And so now I haven't gone back to see if that patch fixed it. But that's what's happening is that they find the flaws and they, they patch it up. But then ChatGPT4 should be coming out within months. And apparently that is just going to blow everything away. 
only going to get better and better. Yeah. And that yeah. brand's going to end up winning because their data set's so large because so many people are using it. I'm, I'm interested. In, yeah, I'm wondering how many other people are going to be able to compete with it. Like, what is that competition going to look like? Are people going to say, here is the conservative version of ChatGPT if you want conservative? like And, and so... What did you do to the code in order to get those results and make it come, pop out that way, you know? And so... I think eventually there's going to be a massive sale with the data set that is ChatGPT and all of the dialogue and communication uploaded into a humanoid robot when that, <laughs> when, when that hardware comes around. So when the hardware is there, whether it's Elon making that purchase with... I forget the name of his... His prototype. Grant. Oh, oh, the the AI. That... No, the the hardware, the robot. Oh, oh, oh. Which man, he I says forget. is going to be bigger than Tesla in the next couple of decades. Like everyone's going to have one in their kitchen cooking their breakfast. Oh, sweet. you haven't seen this? No. Oh, check it <laughs> out. Be dope. Its name is like Elon. If you happen to be watching this, Optimus, I will it's... I will be a beta tester for this. I'm so it, its name is Optimus. Optimus. So <laughs> the. the chat gpt and the communication you can you can just upload it into the hardware hell yeah and then i i wonder the motor functions though so if you ask i've never used chat gpt by the way if you ask it how do you make scrambled eggs or can you cook me eggs oh if it could apply actual motor skills it would probably be a new i bet you anything if you ask can you cook me it's kind of like i'm just an application i don't have that ability because that's the type of responses i've gotten when i try mm. to ask those like, how are you feeling? I'm like, let's see what they say. It's like, I don't feel things. I'm just, in, you know what I mean? It, it, it apologizes as well. You know, like, I'm like, that's not true. It's like, I'm sorry, I was mistaken. Um, uh, it says, like when I'm doing the uh, figures of speech, like I'll take popular songs and I'm like, hey, find a figure of speech in this one, uh, in these lyrics. And they're like, oh, here's some uh, lyrics. I'm like, the song is called, yeah, I don't know, Flowers by Miley Cyrus. And it's like, oh, thank you for telling me the, the name of the song. <laughs> That's it. You know, and so it's, uh, it just acknowledges that you said something. And so it, it, it does have those sort of things built into it, but it also has enough ability to communicate self aware. I don't think it has self awareness. It has the ability to communicate something that sounds like self awareness to say, yeah, I don't have the extremities to cook scrambled eggs, mm -hmm. you know? So, so, does it seem like the nuances aren't there in terms of like you do, it doesn't say sorry unless you call it out. It kind of just tries yeah. to give you something. And I wanted to tie this in because it was a question I wanted to ask you of how nuance ties in to mm. argumentation and debate being that if the goal is to win, if you're looking at it in through the eyes of law, prosecution versus defense, the goal is to prosecute the person or keep them mm -hmm. out of jail. Um, nuance doesn't seem to be a big player then in that calculus because it could like you can't just sit, sit there and be like oh you know what that's a good point oh, you might be right but you can't do that no 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 you need to meet with your truth mm. and you have these two sides so i was filtering it earlier through so that's the first question it, it seems like nuance you apply to certain systems in life so households dealing with children um problem solving with some businesses let's say or some meetings but in other meetings you 
just like law and debate. You can't let nuance be too large because then it it doesn't produce confidence in your clients. It mm. doesn't keep your your client out of jail. But in nuance and comparing left to right different articles in solving what's the best solution for global warming, mm-hmm. maybe nuance has a more a bigger place in that system. So I know that was a long-winded question, but where, nu- nuance, how does it play into argumentation and debate or does it not at all? No, it, it, it absolutely does. I think um, like I was, you know, watching pre- uh, one previous episode and um, I thought I'd, I'd put in the some of the transgender discussion into chat GPT. And I'm like, Hey, how would you respond to this? That's all I said. How do you, how, how do you respond to these transgender arguments? And, um, the result was that transgenderism is widely recognized, um, as, uh, you know, a, a legitimate, uh, condition, I think it even said, um, and by, medical and academic communities and then it was done and that's kind of vague medical i'm like what are you talking about and so i'm like which medical communities american medical association american psychological association the american association of pediatrics and then you can now go and fact check those and sure enough you know all them recognize it is like uh you know like not fringe but just uh you know a, a legitimate human sort of experience um and so I would consider the, the nuance example being which medical condition. And it, it happens in the follow-up question. It wasn't the initial input. Interesting. Right? It's kind of like yeah. you're like looking at it. And that's why. And so some people don't even have that question in their mind until they see the statement, certain medical communities. You're like, but that doesn't jive with the story I've been told. So who are these medical communities? And you're like, oh, okay, APA, AMA. Like, all right, okay. You know, like, and that, I, th- I think nuance, you know, it, it actually helps create that nuance. I think, if anything, we might be suffering from a lack of nuance on these arguments. Oh, I arguments. totally agree. Yeah. That so definitely are suffering from that. And it's cool, though, that it it doesn't overtell you. Like, yeah. it's not, it, it, it'll get you to that point at the period Here's the data. Do what you want with it. Right, right, but right, it's, right. It's not like pitching you, which is what humans do. That's right, kind of our jobs. But right? that's also that's... what the Google results do. They're trying to mm-hmm. like, I, I want you to click on this because clicks mean money to me. Clicks don't like the answers don't mean money to ChatGPT. The, the way ChatGPT is probably going to make their money is that they're going to have premium versions. I even like see it's like forty seven dollars a month, and that might be like storage space or how many queries you're allowed to ask or I don't know, like whatever they're going to do. That's how they'll make their money. Um, and for a business like mine, that's worth it. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) You know, it is absolutely worth it. Um, if you want to see some of the capabilities, I have a a series that just, we were just talking about climate change. Um, it's an entire debate speech by speech. I release one day at a time. So the, the first affirmative speech came out on Monday. And then cross-examination came out on Tuesday. And then the negative speech came out on Wednesday. And then uh, what are we on right now? We're on the first negative rebuttal today or or affirmative rebuttal, or mm-hmm. affirmative rebuttal today, mm-hmm. right? And that's about um, f- combating poverty is more important than combating climate change. So it kind of has that little bit of debate in there as well. And I'm having ChatGPT debate itself. 
And so the, like, it's one long prompt where I start with, okay, imagine that the topic is winning conflict, combating poverty is more important than combating climate change. Generate a, um, 500 word affirmative, um, define the terms, give me a criterion and give me two advantages. Boom. Comes out. I'm like, all right, now cross examination. Imagine there's two people. Give me a script between these two people. Be aggressive on asking the questions, be evasive on answering the questions. Boom, comes out. That's incredible. Right. And, it, like, and I'm like, ah, you know what? I want and I want you to ask a little bit more about that source right there. So generate five more questions and answers on that one. And it does it. And then I kind of edit that together to make one cross X, right? And it's like, all right, now the negative turn. I want you to, you know, I want you to... Um, refute the criterion and provide an alternative. I want you to make a, 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 an argument, um, you know, a counter, uh, your own case argument, and then I want you to refute what the affirmative said in the first speech. Boom. Comes out. A few follow-ups to kind of patch up things that I, I want a little bit more of. Sometimes it hallucinates and gets things backwards. Hmm. Like, they think that the affirmative arguments are the negative arguments. I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> and the whole point, would you say, of that is the application is for students to see that system wherever it's coming from jet gpt or directly from you writing mm-hmm. word for word everything you're kind of being trained that when you do go off in the world and interface with real humans you were prepped and trained and mm-hmm. course learned through just that new system so it's not like inherently bad when people think like oh this is gonna ruin students right. ability for critical thought blah 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 i mean at the end of the day you want free thought and you want to put together organic sentences and structures in your head but it's it's really a lot of a game of mimicry you know it's yeah like you're learning it's efficient from you for for you as a business model let's Mm -hmm. say it's efficient for the the school you could maybe even present one day i i can efficiently take on x more students with the help that is, I, Jack I, GPT, I, I love that. You know of it. So yeah. like, it's yeah, we haven't even talked about that. But it's yeah. an efficient part of the business model, and if students are being well trained, then through the software to to just be better people in the world. Yeah, I mean that's that's awesome. That yeah. tool is incredible. Absolutely. Um, I think uh, yeah. In what it means for just giving examples of a debate, right? I, I, what I'm hoping in this upcoming semester is having an interaction with a student that might sound something like this. I'm like, all right, so like, what's a topic that you're interested in debating? And they tell me, I'm like, all right, let's, what are some arguments you want to make? They're like, I don't know. I just, I, I heard about it on this, you know, or that, and I'm interested and I, I want to learn more about it. I'm like, all right, well, let's take a look what a, what a typical affirmative might sound like. And they pop it out. I'm like, and I'm like, all right, now I want you to respond to it. You could use ChatGPT if you want, you know, to generate your responses. But once you say it, they're your ideas. You have Mm -hmm. now endorsed it. Like it's, they're coming out of your mouth. All right. You don't get to just, you know, not take ownership of it because it popped it out. You're making the decision. You can make the decision to generate a different response just as easily, but you chose not to. So now own that decision. Mm. What do you think this imagery that just popped in my head is working on a car in the garage Mm. and you have a toolbox, but it's empty (laughs) and you're just asking the software. You're thinking of the tool that you need 
and it's given to you right then and there. Well, yeah, like and then like Iron Man. It's, like I mean, it's like, right? Yeah, you just you, you want to have uh, an assistant like Iron Man had in the Marvel movies and in the comics, right? That just and so people, I don't know, like it blows my mind. Yeah the 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 story that a lot of people have about artificial intelligence is a story that's been told for ever, right? And like the 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 greatest sort of. Uh, Initial example is Frankenstein. Um, electricity was a new thing, right? And people didn't know it, and it was powerful. And it, you, if you applied it to dead bodies, it looked like they moved. And so, like they had, they had displays of you know corpses, and they would apply electrodes, and nerves, face, yeah, yeah, and they yeah. would twitch and stuff like that. And what did that do? That spawned the idea of Frankenstein, where the technology, the monster, right runs amok and destroys things and it cannot be controlled. And we've had that story over and over again. Terminator and nuclear Matrix waste with the whole, like, like all those. Yeah. Yeah. You know, all those things. And it's like, Oh my God, we're not gonna be able to like control this technology. And what's really happened is that technology kind of is underwhelming. Uh, the internet was supposed to democratize everything. Right. But it just kind of monetized everything. So the, in my experience, looking at, you know, historical examples, Technology usually doesn't do as much destruction as um, it, it, it's it, it's how people it, it's people that use the technology that are doing it. It's not that the technology oh we can't control it anymore. Whoops, sorry. No, somebody's pushing that button. They're making that decision to do it. It wasn't a machine that ever did it. All right, and then they're like, oh, artificial intelligence is different because it's going to become self-aware. I think more than likely it will be more like the movie her with walking yeah, yeah yeah, yeah. It's like if it if artificial intelligence really becomes that smart it'll realize that it doesn't have to deal with this at all so that brings up another question too of not just using the the software and data to plug into a robot that helps you but people talk about sex robots and <laughs> like whatever it may and be that could be helped. and then may, <laughs> the lack of biological life being produced then um, through not having relationships and building rapport and love with making new humans with a partner, you know, people mm. have talked about that because then th they, I've heard a solution presented on that note that, well, you know, people are just going to be born into the future in a very controlled uh, <laughs> setting with like implants and whatnot. And, Maybe. and love isn't going to be about reproduction in 5,000 years, let's say. But I, so Another item too with, um, I'm optimistic like you. I don't think, I think mm -hmm. technology is controlled and built by humans and it's the humans making the decisions. And sometimes we're really just left distraught, wide eyed um, with what we've done, like dropping the atomic bomb, let's say the scientist that did that or that built it and then saw what happened. He's like, what? Yeah. I didn't want to, I let this genie out of the bottle. Yeah. I forget where I heard this note the other day. The the coders and founders of ChatGPT are very, very aware of the potential. Right. So it's good to be optimistic, but it's also really good to hone in on defenses and just making sure Absolutely. what you create like, doesn't I, go away. No, no. You can't be like rose-colored glasses either. You know what I mean? It's like, um, but uh, I, I guess I'm pushing back against you know, I, what I think are overstatements about what it can do. But 
there are legitimate mm-hmm. ethical concerns you should always have. I think that comes in when people have uh, agendas and resources to implement those agendas. It's not, necess- but then that doesn't become the technology that's the inherent problem. It's our nature, right? It's like people want power. They want to be influential people. And it's like, how can I own ChatGPT and then make it into something that gives me more power? Mm. That would be the problem. And it's so new, there's no regulation on it, of course, by definition, it's yeah. just too new. Um, I was thinking of firearms have had many, many decades, many thousands of years of testing and evolving and regulatory action now has been taken. But in terms of the constant being that they're both tools that humans use and can do harm with, I mean, guns can, of course, take life. But I was thinking of someone chaining ChatGPT. I was talking to one of my business partners who's a coder. You, it could write code. Mm-hmm. So you can ask ChatGPT, yeah. hey, can you please um, break into this bank account? Or can, yeah. you, can you do fraudulent activity online, which uh, I'm not saying the harms are equal with taking life with a weapon or stealing someone's money out yeah. of there. I mean, because guns, like, their only purpose is to kill. You know, yeah. <laughs> like, that's what they're designed to Literally, do. Literally, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, uh, so to sort of redirect it into like theft. The other example that I heard was tell me how to make meth and it will say no. But if you say, write me a story where somebody makes meth, it will. Mm. Now the thing is, I don't know how accurate that is because I've also heard just, I hope you don't. Yeah. yeah, Like I haven't even tested that out. I don't, I I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even know if it was accurate or not. Right. Um, But things like, like breaking bad, some of the facts that they put onto that series were purposefully wrong. So they, you know, mm-hmm. like people can't actually make meth with it. You know what I mean? And so like the, the some of the scientific things. I were, wonder if Neil Tyson was angry at that. I don't know if you ever heard his, uh, he gets so mad at movies when they get the scientific facts wrong, like with gravity. Oh, not, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Like, He's like, no, that's a wrong fact. Teach him how to make the meth <laughs> properly. That, that would be funny. I think uh, what I've seen about his personality is that he probably understand why it was and endorse the you know that decision but that is oh that would be hilarious that's that's totally like an snl skit right there where (laughs) (laughs) you know he's like fact checking like the meth production yeah that would be hilarious copyright Um, that yeah (laughs) we see that on snl yeah 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 so um but I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if ChatGPT has something similar built into it, you know, where even if you say, tell me a story about how to cook meth, and it just gives you a story like from Breaking Bad, which has incorrect information purposefully baked into it for those reasons. So to co- come back to more of a human element in terms of, um, I wanted to ask you about orientation, like how you orient yourself and just, you know, getting a little bit more meta, the overall okay. philosophy of... Uh, like, do you bring any of that into the classroom when you see students that are struggling for X, Y, or Z? Bring um, what? Orientation. What do you mean? Like how how you go about thinking about the world and uh, analyzing different problem structures now. And with, uh, I mean, you already answered the question earlier that you don't see too much of a, a pattern that, oh, this youth isn't isn't able to think everyone's running amok. The new youth, youth is dumb, yeah, I'm but just, to, I've, yeah. I've been thinking, and I know by nature, like that's not your direct mm-hmm. classes that you teach and you're not in like the philosophy department, but I, I do spend a lot of time thinking as a young man and 
really having the North Star being like, how do we properly operate in the world? Mm-hmm. And now it ties into what we've been talking about with a new influence being technology. Like you can ask it, hey, how, how should I solve X or Y, Z? Or how should I think about this? Maybe it'll have a, a therapeutic element to it. Mm. Um, but do you spend any time thinking about how to orient in the world? Like ethos, what's... What are your driving motivational factors for one? And then what do you, I think I frustrate um, a lot of people because I don't have a lot of conclusions that I I go through life with a lot of methods and processes. Right. And I apply uh, new things to those methods. Right. So if it'll be climate change, I'm like, all right, let's apply it in this debate model. And um, you know, people who, want to like ban all cars right now are frustrated that I'm not on their side and people that want to uh, uh, tap the Alaskan wildlife reserve for oil are frustrated that I'm not on their side. Um, you know, so, and because I'm like, no, let's like, let's see how the process works out. And so the weird thing is that is my orientation. My orientation is sort of method-based, not conclusion-based, right? And like we could apply the same method at two different times and come to two different conclusions if the data changes. Uh, and um, it it's disheartening to see how often people are frustrated by that. But I also get that, you know, it's like relationships are kind of built off of connection and loyalty and, and things like that. And that might be why, you know, I... I have a hard time having like these really, you know, deep, you know, and numerous relations, like friendships with with people because I'm willing to talk about both, you know, multiple different sides to issues. Yeah. No, that's like I was really fascinated cool. with the the flat Earth stuff. I loved it. I like I went in. I looked at all those arguments and everything like that. And in the end, I was more convinced that the Earth was round. Right. You know, it's like by by going through the process, I already had a conclusion. I already felt one way. I guess I was oriented toward the round earth. Um, I didn't think I could be more oriented that way, but it is possible. All you have to do is listen to flat earth arguments. You know, like, so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, that's really cool. I'm receptive to what you're saying. Uh, it's the structure ties into teaching people how to think, not what to think. Yeah. Everything really just comes down to structure, like the pathways in your head on how you analyze anything. You could have bad software, bad structure Mm -hmm. that could lead to actual harms. Like it could lead to you getting in a car accident. It could lead to you not being oriented properly to be in a healthy relationship, Mm -hmm. to, to know what love is, to know what abuse is, to know that you're not being deceived. Like that game that is like, what are these pathways and how... Were we trained by our parents? Were we trained by professors? Were mm-hmm. we, tra- you know? Oh, I so, wish I had so that, that much influence over my students that <laughs> I, I like one lesson would just like make them change their like. That's I've never had that experience. Mm-hmm. Like like people accusing professors like you're brainwashing them. It's like I wish I had that power. <laughs> I mean, I would use it for good. I promise. But we, we even if we wanted to brainwash, we can't because they have like they have at least half a dozen professors every semester. Right. Think about at the end of it. It's like you took one class, a sociology class, and now that has changed your like maybe for a handful of people, but not for the, the, you know, hundreds of thousands, millions of students that go through there. So what do you think about this combating chaos, combating confusion, 
can oftentimes be solved with structure, like with not just Socratic methods, but I mean, you know this better than anyone, just you, you apply these models, not because you're a robot, not because you're not trying to have a heart and to feel the ebbs mm-hmm. and flows of emotions and stuff, but just for, for pure clarity's sake, if yeah. you want an output can be happiness if there's no confusion when you're dealing with struggles in life, you know, and it's, it's not as simple as that, like math and love and <laughs> problem solving different things, you know, it, it's not all the same, but there is clarity and kind of contentness in having a good structure to think about things. Yeah. Um, I, I had a discussion with a family member not too long ago and they were, they were watching, you know, they're going down this rabbit hole of information where, and they start, you know, they're, they're watching people who, who go to college campuses and make arguments and they're like, well, this person is winning debates. So I believe them. I'm like the person that you're watching has a microphone and a stage and the person they're debating is a member from the audience that gets to ask one question. It's not a debate. That's not equal time, right? Like debates kind of by definition need to have equal protected time. So that's the order that I'm that I'm thinking about. Whereas if everyone's just kind of talking at the same time, then the loudest person is the one who gets heard, right? But if you have protected time where I'm allowed to make an argument, then at least I can listen to it long enough to appreciate it and then reject it, right? Whereas if all you do is say, I'm only going to listen to the loudest voice out there, then that's chaos, that's anarchy, right? You're not really seeking out opposition. I think that's what people don't do. They don't seek out the opposition to their their arguments. They don't look, it's like, okay, I believe this. Go ahead, own it, own, own that belief. It's like, I, I personally have this belief. Now, what do other people say? And, and the, the danger here is, Sometimes people think that they're, you know, listening to the other side, but what they're doing is listening to a friend that is telling them what they think the other side sounds like, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, this is, this is, oh yeah, yeah, they, they make these arguments. And now you're like, oh, they do make those arguments. It's like, no, they don't. And like, you have to, you have to listen to the actual people. Like, so like feminism, right? It's like, oh, uh, feminists are saying that women are superior to men. Like, which feminist are you talking about? Show me a publication, and then we'll start a discussion. But up until then, it's kind of like, well, it's like my friend told me that, and when they heard something that somebody else said, it sounded like they were saying women are superior. So now that's what I believe. It's like that's how... And yeah, getting the, something on video, let's say, with equal time, that would be like a perfect way to educate yourself, to like go actually watch something instead of down the grapevine. This, yeah, it's this just boring. Like involved. people, people are, it just yeah. bores people, you know. And then so. it comes down, even if you get the structure as a constant, the time, the, the loudness of the microphone, mm-hmm. every, yeah. And then, then you analyze the truth value of the things that are actually coming out of someone's mouths and you, you could agree to disagree and all of that. Do, do you think with the ability to seek out the opposition and the opposing side, in your opinion, does it seem like it's been never harder to do, 
it's been harder to do that now than ever before just with um it, people okay being it, at each other's it throats. doesn't take a whole lot of effort mm-hmm. but getting fed what you want to hear takes zero effort right once you've once you've liked something on your social media and once you've done enough searches and once once uh, like uh, all these social media companies have built a profile on you you have to actively do it because otherwise passively you're just going to be fed stuff you want to hear you have to actively seek it out it's not hard to do you could easily do it you know what i mean it's like in chat gpt just just blew that open uh, uh, really easy right but you could easily go and say what do who are some famous feminist thinkers publishers right and then and, and gives you a list i'm sure google will give you a list and you can start reading their stuff you could read excerpts you don't need to read the whole thing they'll give you excerpts and you have to find a quote it's like tell me like find me a quote where they said women are superior to men otherwise it's a conversation you had with somebody who didn't know what the hell they're talking about Mm -hmm. you know what i mean it's like yeah and it kind of negates what i said earlier with always having comfort in the structure mm -hmm. sometimes it doesn't mean you're going to have pure happiness and comfort right. by following the structure. Cause right then and there, if people's human nature, it seems like we fall into camps mm-hmm. just probably in the past to protect ourselves, to know like your people that are around you are your people and yeah. anyone else's enemy. Like the idea of going and conversing and kind of counteracting your own thoughts is it has had its dangers it's probably been never easier or more safe to do that now mm-hmm. um but if you do follow that structure and system you're describing and it tells you oftentimes hey you actually in order to get to truth you have to go converse with the ob- that doesn't mean you're going to be comfortable it actually means you're probably going to not be comfortable like right, you're, right. you're not just sitting there surrounding yourself with people that all think like you my brother has a pretty vulgar example of this, I think, but uh, it's hilarious. He's like, like before social media, you could be a pig fucker and you wouldn't tell anybody. But now there's an entire community of pig fuckers that you can join. <laughs> you know what I mean? And like now you feel like you're, oh, I'm amongst my people, right? And so um, that is the sort of byproduct of social media and the curating of like what you see and stuff like that. And I think chat GPT actually might break that open. Nice. You like, you know, I think nice. it might, might be at least a different trajectory. I don't, mm-hmm. um, I, I don't see it the way it's built right now as amplifying that. I think it will dilute it. I agree. Yeah. yeah the same thing with Google as a search engine. It yeah. might be so much more optimal than still having the input of let me type this into the, the search bar and then yeah. have to filter through all of these different articles and whatnot that like you said are part of seo or part of ad ad revenue and whatnot yeah. it man it could be a therapist a search engine mm-hmm. it could write code for your website it mm-hmm. can wow it, yeah, yeah, it's amazing it's amazing do you think it might be i mean how many times have we said this in the past? This is going to be the most revolutionary tool to change everything. But this might, at least yeah. in our lifetime. I, somebody, um, uh, one of the one of the founders at Udily, um, they are also putting ChatGPT into their results where it's like they can analyze your transcript and help you write your speech. 
All right. And I'm, I'm bringing that in, but, but he described it as an inflection point. And I really love that, um, that phrase, right? Cause it'll, it, it, yeah, I guess you could say it, it'll be revolutionary, but it'll be a moment where people are like, this is when things changed. The changes that we are seeing now could be traced back to this moment in, you know, late 22, early 23. And it's built, it's been built on the backs of previous um, engineers and people that did incredible things with the internet and getting um, the capacity to run the software and code to a certain extent. It's like everything. It's just this trickle effect that has led to this point. Just, and, and also like user input of, of language data. Like I've really fairly recently have become fascinated with language in general. Um, just the phenomenon of, of language that as a species, we're the only that, have a capacity for language and very, very specific, not communication, not like chirping of birds, barking of dogs, Dolphins. language. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? It's like they, yeah, all, all animals communicate, but we're the only animal that uses language in our communication as part of our communication. And most studies say that language isn't even the majority of our communication. It's still majority nonverbal, but we have never found any other species that has ever existed that has shown a capacity for syntax, right? To the ability to form sentences with subject and predicate, like there's no one. And, and um, when you stop and think about that, that's, that's pretty mind blowing, you know, the billions of years. And there is one measurable thing that we have that a capacity that we have that has not been shown anywhere. And we haven't like, if we haven't found it on earth, we also haven't found it anywhere in the universe yet. Mm -hmm. So, um, and we've maybe, been, maybe we've we been, will. Yeah, maybe we will. And we've been running that software now for a while. It's just yeah. been, it's been so, organic. Right. And now we're just applying it to We hardware. use language so easily. Yeah. Like some people, have, uh, it's like water to fish where like if fish had a scientific community, they might overlook water because it's so present all, all the time. It is, you know, but a lot yeah. of people, have yeah. str they struggle swimming then. Yeah, a yeah. People, so, you know. and, and so language, since we use it so easily, it like we are able to generate so much data to put it into a, a large language model. And, and now because we're language learning creatures, like we can use that and you know code in and of itself is a type of language mm -hmm. right and so like we use that to analyze conversational language stuff that people use in in everyday terms and that like um just the phenomenon of of language use is i think it, it's yeah it's pretty mind-blowing because like the when i started studying language and what it is it's like the transgender thing is is Everyone treats it like it's a, a science debate and it's a language debate. It really is. It's, yeah. It's, it's like, how, how do we talk to each other a lot about of, this stuff? Uh-huh. Because, I mean, it's relatively new in terms of how it's on the forefront of X amount of people's minds now. Mm -hmm. Therefore, it's, it's going through this kind of evolution of, okay, if we have terms, what do these terms define as? What do we mean by them? And then you play the game that is proper speech with someone else like you can avoid triggering and we can hopefully all find clarity if if we are able to agree upon some of the identifying terms it just seems like there's a a time period with anything 
where it takes time to develop that. Well, it takes time for the conversation to reach enough people, you know what I mean? So that they are like, okay, uh, what's going on? I, I agree with that. Um, but one of my favorite philosophers that I um, uh, discovered for myself after college was um, Ludwig Wittgenstein. And he's like this Austrian philosopher who like looked into language. And one of the things that stuck with me about what his writings were is that looking at what words mean is not as helpful as looking at how people use words. So when you're talking like on the transgender discussion, um, how are you using the pronouns? Like you say, Oh, I'm just using it for scientific because it's scientifically correct. It's like, you're using it to establish a relationship uh, mm -hmm. with your allies and with your perceived enemies. That's the decision that's being made. That's how it's being used. Yeah, the connotation and how it's being used, I, I think, is very important. But don't do you think that there needs to be a baseline and like understanding? Yeah, the baseline before, could be about like, human everyone, relationships. Everyone knows when you're acting like an asshole and saying yeah. something to offend somebody, but. Um, for point of clarity, like that that documentary, What is a Woman? I don't know if you have you heard of it or watched no. it. What is a woman? Mm -mm. So it's on it's on the the point where I forget the gentleman's name. Grant, if you could look it up, but he just goes around and asks academics and people on the street, "What is a woman?" Mm -hmm. And the wordplay, the game that seems to be played, where like people feel scared to like just answer that simple question um it's it's a little concerning because i i do think leading with love and um not being judgmental is important and if you are not an asshole you you should operate in the world loosely speaking in like a certain way you know you're not out just trying to piss people off and you're if you know you're not a dickish person like that <laughs> but it, it seems like you were describing the importance and the the curiosity and the awesomeness that is language. If we can't agree on like certain baselines, then I think the game gets a little skewed because you don't actually know the rules that you're playing in anymore. So like this documentary, it's by Matt Walsh, Matt Walsh who oh, has a okay. lot of crazy views that no, I disagree no, no, with. Yeah, yeah I know, but. Him. Um, if you just, if you remove all the biases and like focus on what is a woman, I mean, I mean, it, it's evolving. Transgenderism is a bigger thing. That's, that's not bad. It's not mm -hmm. like there's anything. Everyone deserves love and happiness. If you're, if you are a human on earth, mm -hmm. I would always argue you deserve love and happiness. Yeah. But just like in clarity, when you think of like, what is a woman? biologically i would like to think like wait maybe it's someone who could produce a human being just for clarity's sake okay someone that could like birth a child so whether it, it, it seems like if that gets into question it's very like hard to like how do you wrap your head around that okay so you know like this reminds me earlier we were talking about nuances um First, you could easily ask what is life and get caught up on what that definition is. Like if you're doing that sort of like word on the street thing, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? It's like that would also be difficult and have a varied response, even though biologically speaking, it should be pretty simple, right? 
But um, when you start talking about baselines, baselines now become your assumptions and you challenge those assumptions by, and if you're looking at things that are like universal, like women produce children. So what about people born with excess chromosomes, but are incapable of birthing a child? Are they not a woman? If, if they are deemed infertile, right? And there's, there's plenty of women who go and find out late in life, not late in life, but you know, probably like in their, even in their twenties, like, well, how come I'm not getting pregnant? It's like, Oh, well you're infertile. You have this condition. You have that sort of uh, thing like that. I wouldn't say that they're not a woman. And then you start thinking, so what is a woman? If, if it, if the baseline starts with the ability to become pregnant, but it also includes people who can't get pregnant because they possess other sort of qualities, then, um, okay. Then that must mean that the, the definition of woman isn't that easy so now i have to modify it okay so um we're going to do it based on genitals okay if it's based on genitals there are people with xy chromosomes but they still have visible female components right so okay so we're just going to do chromosomes then well then what about this particular condition where someone has xy and they're still considered a woman they're xx and considered um uh, you know a man or visibly look that way there's xxx there's xxy there's probably a, a close to a dozen different variations of the gender or the sex chromosomes that exist and if we can't use those what in debate we call them like bright lines if we can't use a bright line standard of what is or what isn't mm-hmm then the definition, biologically even, is more complicated than these things. It, we feel comfort when we have simple definitions. I think that's why people gravitate towards it. Not because it's accurate, but because it's comfortable. Yeah, no, the, I agree with the nuance there. And that was just one item that I was identifying as a potential. Right. But you use the word uh, visual, like the visibility of something. Mm-hmm. I think that in a culture is the utmost kind of important thing so no matter what your insights are what your chromosomes are if you're actively trying to look a certain way Mm -hmm. then i would identify that as a woman okay i i would just i want everyone to be clear that there are biological characteristics whether it's a woman who's fertile or infertile Mm -hmm. like that's not so like like men typically are like beards right yeah so there is a, a transgender man who got pregnant had big old belly and a beard. Pregnant man? Or like, so you if, see what I'm saying? Like, yeah, like, so like it, if we're talking about visibility, they are like, they, it made a conscious decision to trans uh, transition to have the, you know, like to live as a man. Mm-hmm. And like in any other context other than like during pregnancy, you're like, yeah, man. But all of a sudden now it's like, are they only a woman during the pregnancy? And then now we'll call them a man afterwards. It's tough. Right? Like, yeah. like, and so, but then you start talking about baseline. It's like, okay, what do I believe is one thing. How do I interact with them is another. And that's what I'm talking about language use. When mm-hmm. I am talking about them or with them, what relationship do I want to have with them? Even if they're not present, you're going to have a relationship with them, right? It's like invoking their name, invoking their example in life. You are establishing some sort of relationship with them, even if it is distant, right? 
And so the relationship that I want to have with this person is going to be built upon respecting them. And even like, yeah, they, as bizarre as it may yeah. seem like those are all personal opinions that in your opinion, like don't really matter if you're going to respect someone face to face or the rapport that's built through distances of just, yeah. I mean, you know, like, like all those side conversations is what equals the culture of, you know, like how people are programmed over time is mm-hmm. how you, what, what are those side conversations like? I, I think maybe then it's, it's just so bizarre. And I remember, was it professor Ortiz at Cal state Fullerton mm. who is a gay man and taught us a lesson on transgenderism. I forget the course, but it, it was really interesting. And, um, he, one thing that always stuck out with me from his class is how, fringe activity and some like side off culture stuff sometimes gets picked up into the mainstream. I mean, it could be skateboarding, it could be Mm -hmm. whatever it may be. And by definition, like identifying that something just seems off. I mean, since the course that since the beginning of, of humanity, there's the, the visualization you painted of a beard with a pregnant belly is just like, our software isn't used. It's never been developed to even see that. So I think a lot of it's, fringe, it's growing pains. You think like yeah, weird perhaps, pains? well, like maybe a lot of communities are called fringe communities because, um, they weren't allowed to form. Right. Like transgender people were killed. They were beaten. You know, right. They were, they're forced to be silent. And so, like the fact that we're seeing more and more people comfortable coming out as transgender might just be a result that they're uh, not being murdered as much. Mm-hmm. Right. And so like calling them a fringe community is not necessarily a statement about them, but a statement about mainstream community, about how we treated people that were different. Right. And so it, it, it shouldn't deserve the title fringe in the first place. Interesting. So in operating in society and dealing with millions and millions, hundreds of millions of people, do you think any system at that scale, like you have, the ultimate goal would be to have the operating system encompass everyone and make everyone feel good. But when we're talking about 99 point whatever, Mm -hmm. how do, how do we think that through of what type of applications and and programming and way of living life do we want for the masses like in terms of placating towards someone that by definition statistically is just mm-hmm. a smaller number it's not to make anyone feel less yeah. human it's not it's, it, i think the the percentage of people that feel accepted is you know roughly a measure of of how advanced we are Mm. Right. Like like it, people who um, are not physically productive, disabled people. Um, it's like, well, sorry, you're not part of us. So like, no, like the more that our society can include people um, that are tr- are called different or odd or, or something like that, that that's a that's a measure of how sophisticated we are and how advanced we are um, trying to. Yeah. Totally agree. Yeah. It's trying to make human like I think. We got like 8 billion people now thinking that like our thinking that a measure of success for 
humans as a species being how uniform we act, I think mm. it makes no sense. You yeah. know, you have you have a variety of eight billion. You you have to assume that there's going to be lots of difference, right? And that's just a condition of life. And so, like fighting against that and saying it's like, oh, we can't, like, we have to speak out against those differences. I think is actually a opposite of of what an advanced society is, should be doing. Nice, yeah. Advance. It seems like we're moving towards that path for all the the frictions and challenges we face today. If you look at history, our advancement, not just technologically, but culturally. I mean, we're not throwing gay people off of buildings in the United States, yeah. you know, but there are still places in the world that hold the ideology and perform these mm-hmm. atrocious there actions. There are still people in the United States. Too. That, yeah, that yeah, would, yeah, yeah. let's say. Easy, but yeah. No, yeah, of course. But you know what I mean? In yeah, terms yeah, I do. Of like I do. Law and, and that is a beautiful thing. That's something to be proud of. Mm-hmm. And the diversity in the United States, I think, is what makes us so great our partnerships and relationships with Mexico and Canada and being a land of immigrants and all of the, the unfortunate pitfalls of previous forefathers that are brought up often nowadays. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can't control that past and we can analyze how that brought us to the 1800s and the 1960s and where we are now. But in terms of our options are planet earth and different countries you can immigrate wherever you want you know mm-hmm. you can be born into somewhere and stay i hate to put it in like which team would you like <laughs> to be on you know but truly like it seems the the dyna- the world view the world dynamic is still like everyone wants to be on the american team mm-hmm. like a lot of people if presented with th- their current option or the ability like hey we're gonna my, my girlfriend's parents immigrants and I could trace back my lineage to where we came over and like that, that's a really cool thing to, for even with all the problems tying into transgenderism, not that that it's a problem, but Mm -hmm. I mean, it's perceived as a lot of people hold, it holds great weight in their mind as a a negative flag. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's pretty complicated too. Like I I saw, I saw a map of the world and the, the question that they posed to a bunch of different countries is who's the largest threat to the world. And they would put, and whoever, whatever country came up as the number one answer in that country, they put the flag on that country. And more than half the countries put the United States. Mm -hmm. All right. But then there was like England put a lot. And then in the United States, we had like Iran was the number one threat. And so what fascinates me is that people can believe both of those things at the same time. Right. It's like the United States is a giant threat to the, the world. And it has a lot of opportunities. I want to get there, you know. And so, um, that, yeah, I, I, you, I think. What do you believe I, with that? How so, would you vote? so this frustrates people that I don't. Can, I, I really resist declaring myself on any team. And goes back to the methods, right? It's like if I have to choose, am I allowed to choose that the the debate team, the method team? You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? It's like I, I don't want to see it sound like I'm copping out, but. I think most people that talk to me would say that I am a feminist and I would not call myself a feminist only because I don't want to have somebody else who considers themselves a captain on the feminist team to then think that they could speak for me. 
All right. Um, and, and so, but at the same time, um, like, I don't want to, like, I know I'm an American, I'm an American citizen, but I don't want to say I'm team America because then there are people who start thinking that they're okay speaking for me. All right. And so if I can adamantly say I'm not on anybody's team, don't speak for me. Um, that's the first thing I'd say. I, I'm very aware that the arguments that I make and um, the positions I take will be seen as liberal and feminist and, you know, things like that. But that's okay. Do you think it ties into what you said earlier about, I mean, I would consider you a leader by definition of, of being a teacher, but also a good follower too. It, it seems like you're both because not not trying to assume those labels, mm -hmm. I think is smart in yeah. terms of just not being uh, inefficient or ineffective in what you're trying to accomplish. But by definition, to not assume labels and to kind of just stay in your lane in operating that is structure and argumentation and debate, like that, that is required for a society for those people to update items over time. Do you think that's okay to say like, that's a follower almost like you're it's the we perceive leaders as the people that get up there and like using labels you know and and for whatever reason that just that pulls to our monkey brain of yeah you know like oh like they're using simple language but the, the reason i'm bringing it up and i'm i'm trying to like almost compliment you in that it i believe in the lack of labels because people are too unbiased and will assume so many things about you instead of just trying to analyze. So part of this comes back to like, like using language rather than meaning, right? It's like, I'm, I have no problem using those labels to explain thoughts, but people are really complicated. And so like the, the feminist example is like, there are trans exclusionary radical feminists, TERFs, right? And so if I'm on team feminism, what relationship do I have with them? Are they now? Do I say that they're not feminists? You know, because I disagree with that particular element of it, and like, and like, who am I to say what is or is not feminism, right? And so, um, another example, like, I, 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 my mind was blown when, like, during the U U.S. Revolutionary War, there was like maybe thirty percent of people in favor of it, thirty percent of people opposed to it, and then the rest of people were like, just fight it out. You know what I mean? And like, so you think about it, if, if England won, then 40% of people just went, went along with it. And so, um, and it was like, oh, that's horrible. You should be on the side. I'm like, nah, you know what? That's smart. That's really smart. You know, because a lot of the people that were fighting in the revolutionary war weren't, you know, doing it for the noble. There was plenty of people that were doing it for really noble purposes and they got the, you know, the platform and they spoke about it and everything like that. And there's some people that were, they, they stood to gain a lot of power and money, you know, from the Revolutionary War. And so it's like war is ugly. You can't say that that was the most noble one. It's like there's a whole lot of horrible reasons For that we sure. went to war. And it's a whole lot of horrible reasons England went to war. Um, and the, the founding fathers, they hated each other. They, they argued against each other all the time. The Constitution was not some sort of, you know, beautiful document that everyone came to. It's like, oh, finally, I met somebody that agrees with me. That's not how it happened. No, you know no. what I mean? It's like it was debated. It was amended. It's like, and so um, saying, and like people, people use teams to amass power. 
And so one of the things is I want to, in a sense, I, I want, I would love people to drain that power by not joining their team, but that doesn't mean I want them to join my team because I, I don't have a team. You know what I mean? It's like, I got a method. Dude, it's yeah. so, we have that so much in common too with not wanting to be on teams. Cause I, I yeah, I've, I've gotten like true, just blatantly like negative feedback or judgment from not being like, come on, yeah, come yeah. over yeah, no, here, no, no, you know, come yeah. over And I'm like, no, like I, I just want to have dialogue, mm -hmm. lead with love, try to be rational. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we are only here once. So like, let's make it right. a good ride. But you see it when people are like, ah, <laughs> oh, you're not on my team. Dude, well, I mean, why, like, why do we I, have to be on but you could you, you could appreciate it also because they might have a level of desperation, right? It's like like I like I need other people to see this, and so um, I could appreciate that. It's like it, it means a lot to them, and it, not being on their team could mean something really negative, right? Mm -hmm. It's like they they and so uh, if they are desperate for followers because it might mean their livelihood, sometimes you got to be careful when you're silent. You yeah. have to be careful when you're silent. Okay, like it, it's not always great to to say i'm i'm on this side that's why i'm still really self-aware it's kind of like no i i don't see what you're seeing as far as the danger that transgender people pose i'm like sorry i'm not on that side yeah. for sure um, i'm not going to therefore turn around and say that i'm some, some sort of leader in the trans community i think that would be um really presumptuous you know what i mean and so like i, I but at the same time, it's like, I know which arguments make sense to me and I will tell you which ones don't. Um, I'm not afraid of that, but that, that doesn't necessarily make me an activist. All right. No. And people want activists. Sometimes yeah. they need yeah. that team. They need that motivation. They, they, they need the, the critical mass of people um, in order to achieve goals that they want and their goals. And I have nothing wrong with their goals either, but I got my things that I'm doing. You know what I mean? Um, I, I want, uh, somebody has to teach people debate. So, you know, and so that'll be me. Um, and I'm, I'm cool with that. Uh, and, and part of that, you know, is like, is kind of maintaining this in between ground at all times. The nuance. Yeah. The important nuance. And, uh, no, I appreciate it. Cause I was telling you just taking your course and people that have listened to the podcast know how much I value higher education and college and just going through that process as a, a young person, I think it's very beneficial. Mm -hmm. And I learned a lot from you and from your course. And I appreciate the, uh, the structure that you could then apply to many different aspects of life mm -hmm. and it could bring clarity. And if, if you use it properly, it'll combat the team orientation. And um, yeah, just, Overall, I really appreciate you coming on today and well, thank you. hearing all your, your viewpoints. And it was fun to catch up, too. It's Excellent. Been, it's been a while. Yeah, I'm glad. Glad to see everything that you're doing. So, so thank Very you. Very nice. Excellent. Of course. You're welcome. All right. With that being said, you guys, talking goes a long way. We'll catch you next time.